Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. I'm going to jump into the Word, man. I feel like I got one today, man. We had a fun 930 service. Um, I didn't have any notes in the 930, like, and the Holy Spirit moved, but I got notes today. I was like, I don't need them to move twice. I'm going to use my notes and um, things happen, man. It was just such a cool experience, actually, for the notes to be forgotten because it just was an encouragement to me because when notes get forgotten, you know, it's because, man, we have amazing choir. People got other things going on. And I feel like God used that. And so many times, like, we can be frustrated about something and we don't let God use something that went wrong. So as soon as I didn't have the notes, it's just like, Lord, use it. And then our tech team in the back, they were so on point with putting the scriptures on screen. So shout out to our team and shout out to Brianna and all the things that people do. And, and uh, so many times God is doing so much around you. One thing goes wrong and you focus on that one thing. But God is faithful and it was amazing. But this service, I got notes. And so, hey, uh, we here. I, I really got a word today. I feel so strongly about this word. So I'm going to jump straight into it. Um, We're going to read 32 verses of scripture. Do you mind? It's most scripture y'all read all year, some of y'all. So (laughs) here we go. It's like, come on, man. This ain't no no devotional. We're going to read the entire chapter. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 15, verses 1 through 32. Jesus tells three different parables. In verse 1 says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus is being a little sarcastic here. He's not saying that there's anyone in the world who doesn't need to repent. He is basically saying uh, over 99 uh, people. He's basically talking about the Pharisees who think they're good. They think they're perfect. He's telling them God would rather have a sinner who repents than 99 people who think they're good who think they're good. It says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said in verse 11, there was a man, these are three separate parables, uh, similar meaning. There was one man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate 
but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, somebody say a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Give him the Gucci robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the, the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and he is alive again he was lost and is found and they begin to celebrate now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry the older brother and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him, but he begged him, come in, celebrate. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never even gave a brother a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, came back, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you were always with me and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and now he's alive he was lost and now he has been found this story has been told for thousands of years in church services and outside of church services uh, even people who don't believe god when one of their children runs off the term has been used my, my kid is a prodigal and i'm hoping that they will return even people who don't believe in god's word have used this term to describe, this is stories that uh, uh, Ralph Emerson and many poets of our day would say that this story and its context and nuances and character development, even if they don't believe it to be God's word, writers and, and scholars and poets have been impressed with this story for thousands of years. And this story has been preached throughout the church. And, and sometimes we can get prophetic revelation and we can say things like, this is how Jesus feels about lost people. And I want to challenge us today that you can hear from Scripture prophetically, but you first need to hear from Scripture historically and contextually. What am I saying to you? You can be reading the story of when Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on water, and you can have a job that you hate, and you can say, I was studying Peter today, and the Spirit of the Lord told me it's time to step out of the boat and quit my job. And then you can't pay your rent, and you go try to get some help, and you say, God, where are you? Well, you tried to hear from the Bible prophetically before you heard from the Bible contextually. So let me explain it and break it down even more. You need to understand what God was trying to say to them to help you get accurate about what God was trying to say to you. If you don't know what he was saying to them, and you try to hear God about what he's saying to you, your interpretation can be off because you can interpret the Bible culturally. 
So for example, some people have interpreted the Bible because it says, I do not permit women to teach. And so for years, women weren't allowed to teach in the church because someone read that verse and said, it says right here, I do not permit for women to teach. But they were talking about their own context. There's this big platform, microphone. I don't permit a woman to come up here and teach because the Bible says that I can't. But if they, don't, if they knew the context, they would understand what Paul was trying to say. Back then, every church was in a home. If my wife, I came home and she was firing up the grill and said, I'm about to make some brisket. And I said, what's going on? All the fellas is coming over and I'm leading them in a the Bible study. The fellas... Yeah, like I invited Brian, Pastor Marvin, Pastor Jason, all the fellas is coming over and I'm going to lead them and teach them what it means to be a man of God. And you just go upstairs and wash the clothes and I got the men, don't worry about it. I would go, you sure you don't want me to do that? And she'd go, oh yeah. Or if I said, the late, ladies night and everybody's coming over, are we going to watch them? No, he was saying in the home, a man should probably lead the men. But once we moved it to the platform, you can give any woman a mic. Every woman has prophecy in the spirit of the Lord in her. She can absolutely preach the word. But he was saying at home, I don't think that women should be gathering the men of the neighborhood and trying to teach them. Because it was a home context. Platform, gospel preaching. We believe the Lord has anointed every single person. But you see how different, if you don't understand who he was talking to, you would miss it. And so this is very important that when we break this down, we need to know why was Jesus telling this parable? He was not telling this parable so sinners could be comfortable that they don't have to repent. He was not telling this parable so that believers could be comfortable that they're good. He was telling this parable over a specific question that was asked. Luke um, 15 verse 1 says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So the reason why Jesus is telling this parable is because religious people are upset about who Jesus is rolling with. He's saying, you, you, if you're God, you would hang out with godly people. So the context that we are supposed to take from these three parables is we're supposed to think about this simple question. Who would we be angry at Jesus for hanging out with? If Jesus showed up today and said he was, and this is the time that Christ showed him. He, he, he showed to a Republican conviction, would you, convention. Would you say there's no way that's Jesus? Because Jesus wouldn't go there. If he was having dinner with Joe Biden, there's no way that's the Savior because our Savior wouldn't hang out with that man. If you found Jesus walking down West Hollywood in the middle of a pride parade, there's no way that's God. God wouldn't go there. So we're supposed to think about the people we think that Jesus would never visit and we are supposed to repent. That is the context for this passage of scripture, is that we all have someone in our head that we would think, I don't know if that's God because I'm not sure if God would roll with them like that. God would roll with me, for I'm a man filled with the Holy Spirit and a preacher of the gospel. But, but them, ah, I don't really know. That's the context. Why does Jesus eat 
with tax collectors. Now, for some of y'all who don't know, owe money to the IRS, that doesn't mean anything to you. But that would have been the lowest person in the religious mindset. Who are our tax collectors of our day? That's who we put it in that context. Who would we say this? Why does he eat with these people? And so Jesus told him, told them three parables. The first one, he brings up a lost sheep. He brings up a lost sheep. And if you notice the parable that we just read about the lost sheep, the sheep wanders off. The shepherd goes after the sheep, leaves the 99 and brings the sheep back home. So the shepherd does all the work. The sheep leaves, the shepherd pursues, and the shepherd brings the sheep back home. Now, here is what's crazy about sheep, is that sheep tend not to wander. They actually are pack animals. They are more comfortable in community. But what would happen is this, and I'm not an animal expert, but I do watch Discovery Channel, so I'm close enough. But a shepherd would have his sheep in a barren land, where there is no provision, a desolate land. And the sheep would be so tuned to the voice of the spirit because they would know in their instincts that only the shepherd can get us out of this place that we are. See, most sheep listen their best in desolate places because they're following the shepherd because they're starving, because they're brokenhearted, because they're hurting. And all of a sudden, their, their prophetic ear is tuned to Jesus because they need something from him. But where a sheep would wander is when the shepherd would lead the sheep to the land of provision. What does Psalm 23 say? That the shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures and still waters. So when the shepherd leaves the sheep to the place of consumption and the place of provision, the sheep is so focused on grazing and consuming what the Lord has provided that they look up and their shepherd is nowhere to be found. I feel like preaching today at the 1115 service. You're grazing through the entertainment industry because the Lord has put you there and you look up and the shepherd is nowhere to be found. You're grazing amongst every conference in the church because you're a sought after guest speaker and you look up and your shepherd is nowhere to be found. You're grazing amongst the work flow of the promotion you got and now you're six figure income working 15 hours a day but you haven't read your Bible in 15 months and you're grazing on what the Lord has provided and you wake up and your shepherd is nowhere to be found. Shepherd is nowhere to be found. Mouth full of provision. Empty heart. Because you're living off his words. And you look up and your community's gone and your shepherd's gone. And what does the Bible say that Jesus does? That's what you get for wandering off. No. You did it out of ignorance. You, you confuse the blessing with the blesser. And so he went and got you. And the Bible says that as a shepherd, you don't get sheep and like, come on now, come on, come on. We don't, yeah, we don't go get sheep through Instagram stories preaching the truth. Go get them. I wish we had 100 people in the church that would go get somebody. Not go yell at them. Not this is what happens when you wander off. 
but you go get sheep who did things out of ignorance. You go get them. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause there. Not rebellious sheep. Ignorance. Not rebellious sons. Ignorant sheep. There's a difference between rebellious sons and ignorant sheep, and we're going to see that in the third parable. The sheep wanders off because God blessed them. He's led them. And God goes and gets them. And, and if you were in biblical times, you would know exactly what God was talking about when he said this because everybody would have had a sheep or interacted with a sheep. But you and I, we don't have any sheep. So we think, yeah, I get it. Maybe he's just using the knowledge you know. But everybody would have known what, what Jesus was actually saying. You know how they went and got sheep? They would hunt the sheep down, and it was too far for the sheep to walk back. And the sheep would often be scared, shivering near death because it's exhausted. And the shepherd would pick the sheep up, throw the sheep over its shoulders, and its, and its, its legs would be all around the shepherd. And the shepherd would carry this heavy sheep back home. God, I feel like preaching. That's how he would carry the sheep. And all the sheep who stayed there would have to watch their shepherd carrying this wayward sheep back home to the place of safety. And Jesus was telling this parable, trying to get the religious people to understand how he moves compared to how they move, because he says this interesting thing to them. In Isaiah, book of Isaiah 40, he says, this is what I do. This is what the shepherd does. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will carry them in his bosom like this and gently lead those that are with young. He does it gently. But he tells the Pharisees, this is what you do with, with their shoulders. He says, in Matthew 23, verse 4, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. Jesus is literally saying, here is where me and you are different. This is how we're different. This is where I'm God and you're just religion. This is different. We, we're different. You know what I do when sheep wander off? I go get them and put them on my shoulders. You know what you do? You put stuff on their shoulders. You, you, you put the law on their shoulders. You, 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 try to, you try to get conservative politicians in place and put it on their shoulders. You put stuff on their shoulders, I put them on my shoulders. That's the difference between me and you. That someone who is wandering doesn't need something heavy to carry back home. I feel like I'm preaching better than you clapping right now. I gotta lighten their load so they can make the journey back home and I'm going to carry them. Remember the story in the Bible where the man was on the mat and the Bible says his friends carried him into the house of the Lord. And Jesus said that when he saw their faith, he said, get up and be healed. Sometimes you got to carry somebody. Yeah, carry somebody. When my children get tired, I carry them. When God's children gets tired, he carries them. Come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. The rest doesn't begin when you get to the house. The rest begins on the shoulders of Jesus because he came and got you. I... Woo! Thank God for the God who came and got me when I had wandered off grazing on the provision and the things that God had blessed me with. And then he goes, hey, let me tell you another story. Let me tell you another story. Just in case you don't get it, uh, it wasn't a woman who found a coin Turn the house upside down looking for the coin because the coin is valuable. So now he's speaking about the value of the loss. I think so many times we call people lost so we can bring them to the church so then they can have value. No, no, you're looking for something that's already value. Your value doesn't increase because you came to the church. I'm looking for you because you're already. 
And that's not what we do. We know everybody's sins except our own. And we have them lose value. Anybody lost a penny before? Can you imagine if you saw someone going? That's kind of like how the, how the brothers in the hood used to look for a lighter when they say, where's my cigarette? No. You know, where's my lighter? You ever lost a penny? You see me crawling around on the ground looking for, what are you looking for, Pastor? You ever see them like crawling on the ground looking for the, their, their contact lens and the carpet? Anytime I see someone crawling on the ground, what you lose? My contact lens. I lost my contact lens. Or some, my wife looked for the back of her earring like that. Boy, you, you lose the back of your earring? That's like your favorite earring? My wife was looking for the hotel room one time for out back of my earring, just feeling on the ground. If she said, I said, what are you looking for, a penny? I'm like, why? You don't look for something that hard that doesn't have no value. We're not looking for people because we're too busy trying to be more valuable than them. We actually think that we are holy and so righteous that we are not. Uh, who am I to go look for somebody? If you had 10 coins, see, we count people in church, but we don't count who's missing. They're valuable. They're valuable. You're valuable. Well, their sin makes them less valuable. No, it doesn't. I'm a man filled with wisdom and they... So we, we boycott Target and we do a bunch of stuff trying to say, this is where we're at compared to where you're at. And we don't go get them. So Jesus is saying to us, hey, you know that sheep that wanders off? Don't say that's what you get. Go get them. Go get them, look for it. Go get, it, go get them, look for them. Go get them and turn the light on. So remember last week, Pastor Ben was talking about the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Some of us are using the word to get to practical blessing and not people. Light, turn on the lamp. And those lamps were not electricity. They were oil. And oil in the Bible represent anointing. And if you're going to go get someone, you better be anointed with the divine ability from God. I feel like preaching today. So then he goes, this is the whole reason he's telling this story. And then later in Luke 5, he would even tell him when the Pharisees asked, or earlier, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think this is where some of us who are heavy grace, low word, Go, Jesus just loved people. No, he said they were sick. He didn't say, no, we're all the same. I'm the doctor, you're sick. If you don't know you're sick, what are you doing here? They were hanging out with Jesus because they knew they were sick. And the righteous people thought they were well, and the sinners thought they were sick. So Jesus loves to hang out with people who are sick, but they don't know what to do about it not people who call sickness health. I'm just saying. Because what happens is, in order to make people feel good, we stop calling sin, sin. And so then we have them in the doctor's office, and someone's going, <coughs> you good? Yeah, I'm good. 
Uh, what, you coughing? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Man, you ain't looking too good. I'm, I, told, I said I'm good. How many times I got to tell you I'm good? God made me sick. Well, I'm a doctor. You know I can help. Are you calling me sick? How dare you? No, I'm just a doctor. I do this for a living. You sick. And what I learned in medical school taught me who's sick and who ain't. But I didn't learn in medical school to call out sickness. I learned in medical school to heal it. I'm about to. But some of y'all went to sick school, not medical school. So you just point out who's sick, but you ain't got the anointing to do anything about it. Because you forgot to go to healing school. You just been to sick school. You know every disease. You know every illness. You know, you know every sickness, but you're too religious to set people free with the power of God and the grace of Jesus and the truth of his word. You're too religious to do it. And so now you become a sick expert, not a healing expert. And Jesus called himself the physician, but don't cough in front of Jesus and say you good. That's pride. Who are you calling sick? You. I'm a physician. I know who's sick. But we in the waiting room, ain't been with Jesus in a minute, going, yeah, they sick. Instead of going back there to the physician and learning how to take care of, love, and give grace to sick people. Are you an expert on illness but know nothing about healing? Are you an expert on Ill illness but can't do surgery? Kate, take two of these and call me in the morning. Remember that phrase? God's mercy is new in the morning. The thing that they need today to get them ready for what God wants to do in the morning is mercy. Mercy is the atmosphere that truth is spoken in. So if you have no mercy for who you are talking to, so Jesus was like, y'all ain't got no mercy, so I got to tell you and break this down. And so he's breaking this down. And then he tells them a third story. So the sheep who wander off, I go get them. The lost coin, I look for it because it's valuable. Matter of fact, there was this, Poor kid in the 80s who got kidnapped. His name was Adam Walsh. And he got kidnapped in a department store. And there was so much chaos with them trying to figure out where he went that the kidnapper was able to get this little kid out of the department store. And they tracked that it would have taken about seven to eight minutes because the department store was big, whatever the number was, to get the kid out of the department store. And if they had done something earlier, the kidnapper wouldn't have been able to get the kid out of the department store. And unfortunately, the kidnapper killed the kid. And so they had this thing now based off Adam Walsh's life called the Code Adam. And I remember seeing this sticker in a department store, and it was a big sign that said Code Adam. And I just was walking and said, hey, what does that mean? What does Code Adam mean? He says, it's a policy we've been trained on that if someone loses their child, they immediately tell a worker, we shut down the entire store, all shopping, and everyone in that store now participates to find the lost kid. And we don't open the store until the kid is found. And I said, wow, we need that in the church. There needs to be more code Adams in the church where we shut all our conferences down, all the things we spend money on, and go get some people. Go get some people. And here's the thing. If I was part of the search party in that department store, like, you said, what are you looking for? 
I'm looking for a lost person. We wouldn't call them lost. They're lost. But we would at the most call them by their name. At the very least, I'm looking for somebody's son or daughter. I'm helping someone look for their son. You are not looking for the lost. You are helping God look for his kid. And if you have that in your spirit, how would you want someone to search for your kid? Oh, sorry, I got to stop looking. Bible studies tonight. Can't skip the word. So I, church, I, got, I can't stop looking. I got to go to, hey, I would love to come help you look for little Johnny, but church, got to go to church. What? Wouldn't you miss church to find somebody lost? He's like, I got to tell you another story because I don't think you get it. He said there was a father who lost a son. Now, there's a whole different context between a son or daughter who rebels and the sheep who wanders off because this time the father does not go get the kid. Are you catching this? Some of y'all, come on now. You've been worshiping God your whole life, and now you're in a season where you're wilding, and you know you done ran off from God. He's with me where I am. now. he's at. For you, you got to come on back. He ain't chasing you down. He ain't carrying you. You too heavy with years of anointing in the church. You ain't no little baby sheep. He ain't carrying you back. You got to walk. You got to come to your senses. Oh, my God. Look, there's no searching in this story. Verse 11 said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me, and he divided his property between them. The son is literally saying, I want your stuff, not you. Welcome to Los Angeles Christianity. You can fill a church with people who want their stuff but not him. And I can fill a church saying God's going to bless you. Favor, favor, favor. Yes, for the people who want him. God says, with him, won't he freely give us all things? With him. God wants to give you that stuff with himself. Yes, he wants to bless you. Yes, there's God's favor on your life. With him. With him. And so he goes, he, he left. He said, I just want the stuff. I don't want you. I think if we're not careful, I think if we're not careful, we can make God's presence an idol. Because we can be so attached to being in his presence, but we don't want to hear what he has to say through his word. God, we want to be with you, but we don't want to hear what you have to. So, yeah, man, the presence of God was strong. And then we go out there and do whatever we want. So he said, nah, man, I don't, I'm good. I'm tired of being under your leadership. Back then, what, what Bible scholars believe he was running from was the leadership of his father. See, we want the stuff. We don't want to be led. He was running from the leadership of his father. He said, give him stuff. You know what the dad did? Nah, man, because you out here tripping. Nope, I know exactly what you're going to do. Nope, let me not give you that. Father said, okay. Worst thing God could ever do to you is let you do you. Please, Lord, don't let me. Somebody pray that right now. Please, Lord, don't let me do me. If I do me, I know I'm out here tripping. Tell you, man, I have charisma on my life. God knew I got to get his brother Mole on his nose. He's going to stay in the club if I don't. He knew. I got to give him something. I can't have the girls like everything about him. Woo! 
God, I'm getting ready to come out of heaven. God said, la, 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 just so you, just so not everybody love you. Not everybody. <laughs> Woo! That joke never gets old. It's just so funny. So it said he took all the money. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Remember that phrase, reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. They weren't even allowed to be around pigs. They weren't allowed to be eating pork. And now this is his job, the lowest form of a job he could have. And he was longing. See, sometimes God will... To get your attention, he will have people or things you deem to be detestable eating better than you to get you to come on back home. And the Bible says he wished he had the food the pigs had, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread that I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Notice he didn't say, I miss dad. He was like, man, I was, I was eating good back home. Man, I say, man, man, church people seem to be eating good. We go, no, you just, you just need to want to come back home and be with daddy God. No, sometimes <laughs> you coming back home because you broke. And you starving. Whatever reason gets you back home. But we have to always over-spiritualize it. Just, no, just come and sit with him. No, you hungry? You thirsty? You tired? You weary? Come home. God didn't say it was a bad reason for him to have those reasons. He remembered how good it was in his father's house. And he says he rose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his daddy was looking for him. His daddy didn't search for him, but his daddy was awaiting the day. And it says that when he saw him, he ran to him. Jewish men in that culture did not run. And here is this man running towards his wayward son, and the son gives the dad the speech he's been practicing. Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Notice the father doesn't give him the money back that he wasted. And that's some of us when we waste something from God. We come back to church so God can give us back what we wasted. Father didn't cut him a check. He said, you're still my son. Would you be satisfied if God just said, you're still my son, you're still my daughter, but God didn't cut the check for everything you wasted? Or would you go back in the world looking for the check? I'm going to keep reading, man. It's too quiet in here. Says, my son was, bring the fattened calf. He was getting it ready. Fire up the grill. Woo! Get the brisket, the fattened calf. He didn't say get the calf fat. It was fat, and I'm preparing. You know when you come back to the Lord, there's something God is preparing for you to give you, not because you've earned it, but just because you're back. Our God is so good. He's got something he's preparing for you to give you just because you came back. Some of you will book an audition just because you came back. This is so powerful. And he didn't say my son was gone and now he's back. He didn't say my son was lost and now he's found. He said my son was dead and now he's alive. This is a picture of the gospel. He was dead and now he's gone. 
Now his older son was in the field, verse 25 says. And as he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Older son was in the field working, working on the field. All of a sudden, he heard something in the distance. Don't wake up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. Hello, cuddle with me. God's plan. God's plan. And he's looking in the distance, and he sees his little brother. He's like, is that my little brother? What is happening over there? So he walks to the house. God's plan. And, and everybody's turned up in the house and pops his two-stepping because he old. He's just like. And little brother and everybody, and they're like, hey, and black people know cheer anybody on any dance we're doing. Every just like, and they would go, hey, 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 hey. And the son got the chain on, his dad just gave a color. He's like, hey, hey. And they hear DJ Khaled on the ones and twos, another one. And they're like, what is going on? And the older brother comes out from the field, dripping sweat, working for something that he sees his younger brother getting for nothing. And what does he say? He says this to his dad. Look, these Many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. I've been tithing. I come to church. I've known the Lord for 40 years. Why are you doing that for them? And watch what he says. But this son of yours, not my brother, verse 30, but this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes. Whoa, 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 whoa. The previous verse said, that the son, the younger brother, went out there with wild living. It doesn't say anything about what he did specifically. So word must have gotten back to the older brother about what he was really doing. My father seems to not know what was really going on in these streets because the story was generalized, wild living. No, 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 it wasn't just wild living. It was prostitutes. <laughs> Your money, dad. Yo money. Who, who is the father in the verse? It's God. Where's God's money? God's money seems to flow through the church often. So just to give you context. He spent the church's money on women and got thrown a party. And you been up in the booth serving for, or you been in the back, or you been in youth for 15 years, or you been in kids ministry for 20 years, and you ain't never got it, you just got the donuts. <laughs> the most same donuts we've been dragging out there for 40 years. 40 years! And every time we do an event, there's just still donuts out there. I pull up in my car, another sprinkle donut. These people giving their lives to Jesus, and we just keep giving y'all sugar. Ain't no healthy stuff ever. Remember that coffee you used to serve? Don't drink it before you got to get up on this platform. <laughs> Drinking that church coffee, get the BGs. 
That's bubble guts, in case you don't know what I was trying to say. You feel, I feel the spirit leaping within me. That ain't the spirit. That's that church coffee. And then the dude that spent the offerings on prostitutes, we get a Mastro's. You know how long I've been in the church? Well, what was you doing? He was in the field. He was working for something that God would have released to him if he stopped working for it. Because he goes, this son of yours who devoured your property of prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, everything I have is yours. And he's given him a revelation. Oh, you're in the field. You think the next Bible study, the next worship night, the next prayer gathering, the next spiritual thing you're going to do is release my favor. And all you had to do is ask, I'm your dad. You didn't know this was yours. You're trying to earn it through spirituality and faithfulness. And you just had to ask. You imagine you see my son mopping in my house. Why are you mopping, son? I'm hungry. And I'm hoping that if I mop, you'll give me some need. No, no, no. We, we work to keep our house clean, not to give stuff that I want to give you. I want to give you that. And so why is Jesus telling this story? And, and, and here's what we have to understand. Jesus is telling this story because there are three people in the story. Jesus, the younger brother who represents an immoral, sinful person. And the older brother, who represents someone who thinks they've done everything right. They both need to repent. Now, the older brother is too busy calling out the sins of the younger brother to repent of the fact that he's lost sight of the point. And the younger brother in our culture is too busy trying to redefine sin so that they don't have to repent. And they're all arguing with each other. And both need to repent. There are three people in this story. Younger brother's trying to redefine sin. Older brother's trying to call it out in other people. And the father just wants his sons back, his kids back. So there are three people in this story. And if you're humble enough, you'll realize that you are one of those three people. And can I give you a clue? You're not Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly what we need to do, pastor. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, no, you, you we all got a person. Don't try to act like you ain't got a person that gets on your everlasting nerves. I don't even know what that means. Why did, what does it mean to get on somebody's everlasting nerves? Somebody got to explain that to me. Let, but you, you all got that person. You're an older brother to somebody. Or you're a younger brother. And, 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 and you're with the wild pigs talking about God meets us where we are. No, he did not. That kid had to go back home. God meets you wherever you are. No, no, no. If you are a sheep who is stupid, ignorant, and dumb, but if you know that you know that you know that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, God does not meet you where you are. He calls you to come back home. He does not chase you. So don't be a son and act like you're a sheep. Do you believe in Jesus? How you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Then come out of the pig pen and go home. You know what the difference between a pig and a sheep is? 
When a pig gets trapped in the mud of sin, a pig likes it and says, I belong here. A sheep cries for its shepherd to get him out of it. The difference is not the mud. A mud can get on the pig and a mud can get on the sheep. But a real sheep of the shepherd will cry out for its shepherd when it gets trapped in the mud. A pig will say, meet me where I'm at. Come here and hang out with me if you want to hang out with me. You know if you're a son or a daughter. Get out of the pig pen and go home. We're one of these people and it's not Jesus. I'm an older brother, big time, big time. I'm an older brother with other pastors. When God is throwing a party for people who I believe don't understand the brokenness of culture and they're spouting truth with no grace, I'm an older brother. And, and, and when their churches grow more than mine, God, why are you throwing a party for them? And then I'm the younger brother because sometimes I just, well, you know, it's grace. And I don't actually go, I hate this sin in my life. I hate this jealousy. I hate this issue. I hate this temptation. Hey, that's just the way it is, man. Like God's grace, love, it's all about love. No, no. Both need to repent. Which one are you? Because you ain't Jesus. Are you the younger brother? And you've made your home in a pig pit? And you need to come back to the Lord? Or are you the older brother? that you actually hate right now what God appears to be doing for other people because you think you're righteous, you think you're awesome, and you think you got it all figured out. Both need to repent. And sometimes you got both living in you like I, I do. I get it. So I want you to stand to your feet and just take a moment to be with God and just ask the Lord, which one are you? As long as you don't say you're Jesus. I'm the one that embraces people. I'm the one that loves you. No, you don't do that for everybody. There's a reject, an outcast in your life that you, you would be frustrated with if Jesus met with them. Thank you, Lord, for humility in this moment. The humility of the Spirit is in this place right now to get us to confess. I'm going to give somebody a chance to come out of the pig pen. If you come home without the pig pen, you, you'll just go back. It's not a different home. It's the only home that you were designed by God to experience. I want to give you a chance to come home. Put your faith in Jesus. Repent for your sinful ways. It's sin. No matter what culture tries to tell you, it's sin. But thank God the answer for sin is not to talk yourself out of it. The answer for sin is a savior. And I'm sorry for all the religious Christians that have been spouting truth on Instagram and condemning you, but it's, it is sin. But the only thing that can do anything about that is a savior. And Jesus will take all your sin and give you the righteousness that other people are trying to make you earn. He'll do that right here in this moment as you put your faith in him. So for those that need to come back home and be with their heavenly father, you're going to have to do it amongst the jealousy of the older brothers, amongst the condemnation of the older brothers. I know you have church hurt, but, but the church hurt is inexcusable to walk away from the church over church hurt because he's telling you there are older brothers in the church. That should not stop you from coming home and getting all that your father has for you in the midst of older brothers' jealousy. Come on home. That's you. You need to come home. Count of three. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Come to the Lord right now in Jesus' name. I see your hands. I see your hands. Hands in the balcony. We thank you, Lord. Can we give God some praise?
Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org slash connect. We love you so much and we'll see you soon.